Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. Hello and welcome to Top Flight Time Machine with me, Andy Dawson, and him, Sam Delaney. Yes, it's the podcast where we forensically examine the full and rich history of the English Premier League, one season per episode, and today sees us rocketing through the mists of time back to 1994-95. So, without further ado, let's play the sound effect that is designed to fool you into thinking we actually have a time machine. <laughs> we did it. It's wow. 1994 all over again. This is amazing. It Do you feels, feel younger? feels great. I feel younger. I've got lovely long hair <laughs> in a Britpop style. My beer gut has disappeared yeah, in the blink of an eye. I feel, I feel sensational. Right then, 1994-95. Uh, the Premier League's now called the Premiership. I don't know why. That happened just for a little while. They yeah. called it the Premier League, then they switched it to the Premiership, and then they changed it back, but it wasn't well publicised enough. So no. a, a lot of us continue to call it the Premiership. Some people do, yeah. Because it's nice to say, I think. It's, well, it's just, it trips yeah. off the tongue nicer yeah. than Premier League. And it's but for... you don't half get criticised for it. Like it... when I uh, host on TalkSport from yeah. time to time, like you do, it, it's one of the things that annoys listeners. The pedants. Yeah, it really Take pisses Twitter, people off. Yeah. yeah, It's called the Premier League. What's it matter? I could call it the fucking banana cup. It doesn't really matter. You know what I'm on about. I know what else pisses people off as well when people refer to Manchester United as United. Yeah, oh, that really... It annoys fans of other clubs called, called United. United. yeah. But West Ham are called United. And they're my team. I couldn't give a shit. I know exactly what they mean. I accept the fact that Manchester United are more widely recognised than West Ham <laughs> as United. So, fine. Go for your life, mate. Yeah, well, the Premiership, 94-95, a bit of a pot boiler because it was the season when they were going to reduce it down from 22 teams to 20 teams uh, as per the terms and conditions of the breakaway two seasons before, which meant four teams were going to be relegated and at the end of the season, just two teams were going to be uh, promoted. So that's interesting. That'll, that'll all come about a bit later on. Right. Um, what we've got as well is uh, Dennis Wise was convicted of assault. In ninety four, ninety five. I don't remember that. It was an incident in a taxi. Right. Do you remember it? No. No. Um, and what I've seen a clip when I've been researching this podcast. I saw a clip of uh, Dennis's agent of the time, Eric Hall. Yeah, monster. Well, this is exactly monster, it. monster. Yeah, and uh, the the verdict had been delivered. Wise was guilty, and Hall's reaction on the steps of the court was, "A monster, monster surprise." <laughs> Ah, oh, Eric Hall's not around as... Oh, hang on, he's not dead, is he? I don't know, I could we've, Google it. We've run into this trouble before, haven't we? I'll quickly Google it. But, you know, even a, an extremely serious point in history, his client has just been convicted of assault, but Hall 
refuses to brick character. He's got a brand to protect. He's got a brand and exactly. promote. And so if you can squeeze in your um your catchphrase, then go for it. Eric Hall is still with us. Uh, would you like to have a guess at how old he is? I've got I've got it in front of me, uh, so I know that he is seventy one. Seventy one. I'd have had him down as being older than that. But there you go. Um, All those cigars as well. He's done well. He has to considering because he's always chomping a cigar, isn't he? So Dennis Wise was convicted of assault. Chris Armstrong failed a drug test. Now I do remember that because I remember in this era of nineteen ninety four, I myself, aged nineteen, failed a drug test. Oh, I was a, a you know a really enthusiastic drug user, drug user, uh, and particularly marijuana, and that is what Chris Armstrong was found guilty of. And I was, I remember being fascinated by that. Right. And of course, in that teenage way, you know, you might say, "Yeah, go on, mate." You're celebrating. <laughs> you think he's on our You're team? You're one of us. You're one of us. But also, you just sort of thought, I thought to myself, "What? Why is a sportsman smoking weed?" It was the first time I'd heard of a professional sportsman abusing that particular drug, the least appropriate drug for a sports person. Absolutely. And, you know, how is it going to enhance your, your footballing career? Yeah, no or way. I mean, you're going to you're gonna lose at least half a yard of pace, you which are. is, in his position, he was a pacey centre forward, is, was, is yeah. crucial. Yeah, and if the munchies start to kick in at yeah, three gonna, in the morning, you, you, or you're if, down the 24-hour garage or you stock could, up on crisps or if it gets sweets. really bad during a game you would just wander off you literally wander off <laughs> and try to were. go into the concourse to buy a wagon wheel because <laughs> you're off your tits indeed so Chris Armstrong failed the drugs test and also in 94-95 Paul Merson revealed that he was addicted to everything great classic press conference everything wasn't it? that was possibly addicted he to he got up on stage and he just gave it to the press straight I'm addicted I'm addic- what to? The everything, lot. yeah. The, the full Monty, drink, drugs, gambling, everything. Yeah. And the worst of it was, he lost so much money because he didn't have any idea what he was gambling on because <laughs> of the drug use. Was it him who was obsessed with gambling on gridiron football? Uh, NFL. I'm not sure. He let's say yes. It's not actionable, is it? So let's say yes, it was. It was, yeah. There was a match fixing scandal that broke as well, which d- didn't actually. Um, Finish until the following season, but it was it was Bruce Grobbler. Was this the Bruce Grobbler one? Yeah, yeah. Hans Sager's fashion. I, who was involved? I know, as well. I know the bloke who either defended or prosecuted them. Can't right. remember which, but I remember him being in court and uh, being in. It was a, uh, the father of a friend of mine, yeah. and I remember him being in the paper a lot at the time because it was such a big news story. Interesting story about that. Um, he this particular bloke had never had a haircut in an actual hair salon before. This lawyer. This lawyer. Right. And because he they knew it was going to be a high profile case where he was going to be in the media a lot, his wife insisted that he went and got a proper haircut. Now he was in his fifties and he'd always he'd grown up in a village where there'd been one village <laughs> some bloke in a village and you went to his house. <laughs> Yeah, and you just had to when you were a kid, when he was a little boy, go to his house, and the first thing you'd have to do is kneel up on a chair. And this stick is your already head, sounding very stick your iffy. head, stick your head in his sink, and he'd just like turn the taps on to wet your hair before he cut your hair. And ever since then, his wife had always cut his hair, right? right? And she said, "I'm not cutting your hair. You're going to be on telly and in the newspapers every day for the next few months. You're going up the high street to Rene Jean." 
right, which was the most sort of sophisticated and continental, let's say. I love how you've still got that de- that piece of detail. Yeah, Rene Jean. Well, Rene I know Jean. because it was local. You know, this was someone who I, who I knew when he I was, was a kid. The, your local equivalent of the fella in the village. Yes, it exactly. Went to. So he's gone up to Rene Jean. I mean, I never went to Rene Jean. Rene Jean was very. It was it was a sophisticated. It had the whiff of like continental sophistication about it. Anyway, this bloke, he's turned up in his suit. He's never had a haircut from anyone other than his wife since when he was a kid by the village barber. <laughs> he's turned up at René Jean. They've sent the girl of, oh, yes, you're here for the, uh, that's fine. Um, would you like a cup of coffee? And he's like very confused, discombobulated, yeah. like a man who's been sent from another planet. He's in the hair salon. It's a busy Saturday afternoon. There's lots of camp people and young women fussing around. That's the worst time of the week to go for and your first like, time, And isn't he's it? like, oh, and she said, right, okay, now if you go over to the sinks over there and wait, then Jenny will be over to wash your hair momentarily. <laughs> He's gone over to one of those sinks with the backwards chairs that you sit back in, yeah. right, with the little cut-out bit for your neck, for your you neck, know. Yeah. He's looked at it <laughs> like an ape might look at the fucking Hadron Collider, right? <laughs> And he's looked around and he's got on his ear, 50-year-old man, he's about six foot two, and he's wearing a suit because he's one of those guys who even wears suits at weekends. He's got on, uh, got up on the chair on his knees and, stu- and gone head first into the sink with his ass in the air and then turned the taps on himself. And it was like a big glass open front of things. There was people walking past the high street, stopping and looking. He reverted back to boyhood and the, yeah. that, that village and that <laughs> yeah. sink. He just thought, this is, they've said they're washing my hair. It must, this must be what you do. Oh, it was very embarrassing. What kind of hairstyle did he have? Sort of like, um, basically like, you know how every member of Margaret Thatcher's cabinet wore their hair? In a sort of wavy grey kind of yeah. thing. Remember how they used to do Douglas Heard on Spitting Image? Like they made it corn. like an ice cream. It was a yeah. bit like that. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so it was uh that was the that's my insight to the infamous Bruce Grobbler match fixing Some case. Brilliant detail that I yeah. wasn't expected, but I'm very mm. glad we've we've had This, this is it. it Um White Hart Lane, it all happened there in the summer. Uh Ozzy Ardele splashed the cash and he brought in Jurgen Klinsman. Oh wow, one one of the most memorable transfers in Premier League history. Yeah. Jurgen Klinsman came in from Monaco for two million pounds. Um of course, renowned for diving. Mm. He he dived in his spare time. He dived on and off the pitch before and after matches. Yeah. He dived when he scored. Famously, he drove a VW Beetle. Yeah. And he dived in and out the window of that. Like, yeah, like, like Dukes like of Hazard. Like Duke mm. from yeah. Dukes of Hazard. Exactly. <laughs> so the Spurs signed Klinsman. But do you remember they also had what they called the famous five attackers? I do remember them. Can because... you name them, though? All right, I will. Oh. Because I actually saw them. My brother's a Spurs fan. And this season, I can't remember why, but he, I ended up going to Ipswich Spurs at Portman Road with him and a couple of his mates because I was just sort of at a loose end and they had yeah. a spare and I thought it was a bit of an away day jolly. Then you were on the drugs a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, quite. And uh, we and we went um, and saw them in action and they were brilliant. And the fi- and the and the famous five as they called them were um, Klinsman, Nicky Barmby, yep. Teddy Sheringham, yep. Darren Sicknow Anderton. Yep. And my favourite, because he went on to play for West Ham, <laughs> Ili Dimitrescu. Yes, that's the five. Who had just had a wonderful World Cup, uh, which I'd gone to. I went to the World Cup in Los Angeles that summer. Wow. Yeah. 
and uh, and uh, and I hadn't seen Romania. We went to the final, but Dumitrescu and Radicao, both of whom ended up at West Ham and were both appalling. <laughs> but they were so appalling that it was I almost respected them for yeah. it because it wasn't like they were shit. They were brilliant footballers. You just had the piss. They were there from Romania. They were living in London. They were having a right fucking good time, and they didn't really have that much time to put aside for training or playing football matches. But he was great, Dimitrescu. And I remember that night, which I can't remember what the score was, but I remember Spurs won and were very impressive and had no defence to speak of. But Dimitrescu was a classic old-fashioned luxury player where he'd make a run forward and if the pass that he was looking to receive didn't come and they lost possession, rather than track back, he would just fall on his knees and beat the ground with his fist and just shout. But not for a little while, for ages. Decanio used to do that for West Ham yeah. as well. And you, you just aren't allowed to do that anymore. No, but in those days, there was lo- lots of players who did that. I mean, he was. I remember he just threw tantrums throughout the evening. You've got to track back, otherwise he's immediately substituted. Mm. Um, so Klinsman made his debut in that game at, at Sheffield Wednesday um, and he scored at least at least two goals that day yeah, and, um, yeah. And, he, and of course he celebrated with a with dive, dive yeah, an ironic yeah. dive and they got stretched off in that match as well mm. um, after a head collision and he, he didn't dive on that occasion because if you watch the footage back you can see his foot involuntarily twitching after he's hit the ground <laughs> he's, he's in a really bad way but uh, that was the beginning of the Klinsman story and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that later on but it was it was the season when Money was beginning to flood into the Premiership, yeah, because it had been it was the third season of the Premiership. I, m- I remember we said in the first one that Spurs's foreign player then was Gordon Jury, jukebox in the first season. Yeah. And now we've got Dimitrescu and we've got Klinsman and and all. all and they then went out and after a little while when it became clear that I think after two games everyone thought Spurs were going to romp the league, and then yeah. you realise I can't remember who they had at the back, but it wasn't it wasn't anybody, it wasn't anyone it wasn't, really. I think they had a rush goalie. Our Diles was manager, come out and defend as well. <laughs> yeah. And they and they signed someone called Georgi Popescu, who was Dimitrescu's teammate. His mate, the, wasn't it? Romania had done fantastically was well that in the that World, World Cup, Cup. When, they, when they bleached their heads as well. Was Could have been, one? or that might have been the next one in France. But yeah, they 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 had a brilliant World Cup, and everyone had been impressed by them. So then they signed Popescu, who was supposed to play, who was whose job it was to be the sole kind of defensive-minded player, but yeah. it didn't really work out. No, I, at that World Cup, I piled all my money onto Colombia. Oh yeah, because because um, Pelia said they were going to win it. Yeah, I thought, well, if it's good enough for Pelé, it's good enough Pe- for me. Yeah, but then you've since learned, surely, that Pelé comes out with all sorts of insane shit. Don't, shit. don't forget, in two thousand and two, he named Nicky Butt the player of the tournament <laughs> and claimed he was the world's greatest midfielder. He I mean, Nicky Nicky Butt's a good player, but yeah. come on, Pelé, he's not a Hall of Fame sort of no. stuff, is he? This, this is, is it. it. Um, what else happened up? In uh, Tyneside, Newcastle were yet again uh, scintillating mm. in the Premier League uh, with Andy Cole scoring for fun, Peter Beardsley playing alongside him. Um, as a Sunderland fan, the, the, the sort of vibe on Tyneside was ridiculous because it was as if some kind of new religion had just come into town and, and hypnotised every inhabitant of the city. How did, you, how did that make you all feel in Sunderland? It was ridiculous. It was... It was infuriating as well because we were still in the first division, as I think it was called then. Uh, I remember that season we were live on TV away at Barnsley and got humped 4-0. And I think Newcastle had probably played later that afternoon and beat somebody 5-0 in the Premier League. So it was infuriating, but at the same time, you could... you. you could, you got like a bit of a, a bit of a vibe from it all about how good it could be. 
Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, there was there was kind of it where you, you, it wasn't jealousy, but sort of like sort of admiration that you wanted to suppress. I mean, to, to be honest, there's something about that Newcastle team, and I suppose any of us who were in, who, who were of a certain age in the nineties, there is something about it that people do feel misty-eyed about Kevin Keegan's Newcastle team because they set a template for a you know. A, a kind of a, an amazingly exciting cavalier type of football. Yeah. Um, that you you know, there's been teams since then. You know, of course, the current Manchester City side, for instance, who have a similar kind of array of attacking talent and all the rest of it. But there was something about it being Newcastle, who five minutes ago had been struggling in the yeah. in the then first division or second division, suddenly just come in from nowhere because Keegan had turned up. Uh, and turned up, and there was, there was something tremendously exciting. There did feel like there was a big atmosphere around Newcastle. People talked about the city of Newcastle in a different way. Yeah, and they were everyone's second team apparently, yeah. except mm. for mine. Nah. Um, let's have a little bit of music, shall we? There we are. That was uh, Oasis and Live Forever, followed by Rhythm of the Night by Corona, and I know which of those two I prefer. Yeah, well, Rhythm of the Night is obviously a, a great song, and these and that was two two songs that kind of give you know a good flavour of of the era, really. Yeah, you had a, a, a beautiful club classic, and Oasis, of course, were just about to hit their pomp, weren't they, they with were. that track and sort of dominate dominate the music scene for the next three or four years. They did indeed. I was at the Oasis gig in Newcastle when someone got on stage and punched Noel Gallagher in the face and the gig was abandoned. That was quite Yeah, exciting. that's quite famous, isn't it? And that is the same man who years later punched that police horse. <laughs> yeah. He's called the Geordie Puncher. He is, yeah. And, that's uh, exactly who it was. He's, he's delivered every iconic, uh, no, punch. No, noteworthy punch on Tyneside for many years. <laughs> that's him. Mm. Right, what else should we look at in 94, 95? It was all kicking off at Liverpool because Roy Evans had took over uh, on, on on the cop and the cop had been demolished. It was the end for the cop. It was going to get um, turned into seats. And we had that thing as well where where a lot of grounds were starting to get converted into all-seater stadiums. Yeah. So you'd have building sites kind of at one Yeah, end. and boards behind boards it. Like West Ham had that. Arsenal had it as well. Arsenal had cartoons of fans drawn on their boards. Yes, and they? do you remember the controversy around the fact that all of them the were white? white. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a bit of... Co- I mean, nowadays, you didn't get those. Nowadays, literally, they would have been... Twitter would have made someone, whether it was David Dean or Bruce Rioch or who, I don't know, poor old Paul Morrison's if he didn't have enough problems already. Yeah. Twitter would have made sure someone was put in prison. Yeah, that, right. But even back then, when there was less kind of huge outrage about everything, it was a big story, and they had to send someone with a pot of brown paint, bits of faces, yeah, and paint <laughs> some faces brown for the next game. But even then, <sighs> they just did one shade of brown. 
<laughs> which in a way is racist too. Now they would have hauled that entire board down and they would have made them burn it outside. Yeah. Outside Highbury. They would have been they would have had to have been a human sacrifice. They would definitely. Um where was that? Yeah, I was at Liverpool, wasn't it? That's what I was talking oh, about. Oh yeah. And the the cop was, was demolished and it was the season when Robbie Fowler um hit that hat trick against Arsenal yeah. in five minutes. And that was when Robbie Fowler he was only nineteen when he I was remember that. I remember when I look through these games of this season, I remember much more vividly the time and place that I saw some of these matches than I would any game I've seen yeah. this season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or last season or yeah. any time recently. I remember watching that game in the Cross Keys pub, which was the local right near my mum's house, yeah. and uh, just being astonished. I think I had my my girlfriend with me, and she was obviously completely bored shitless as I was explaining to her how extraordinary... Yeah, like, it was still, like, quite... The whole Premier League thing was fresh enough that I would be tremendously excited by any game being on TV. Like, yeah. let's go around across keys. Liverpool-Arsenal's on. Whereas yeah. now, you're so fatigued, aren't you? Yeah. By most of you just can't, you yeah. There's always a fucking big football game on. You don't really care. But then I remember being tremendously excited, dragging my girlfriend along. She's very bored, and Robbie Fowler's still very young, and he's a, he was a, he was a phenomena, wasn't yeah, he? Absolute was. phenomena. I recently um, eschewed the opportunity to watch West Ham versus Chelsea because I realised that I taped what looked like a really good episode of A Place in the Sun. <laughs> and I- and I wanted to see that. I'm always I doing shit like that. And I don't even admit it like you have. There's things I've done. <laughs> there is things I have done other than watch quite big football matches yeah. that I am too ashamed to admit. If any of you follow us on Twitter, you should tweet us examples of these if you've got any. Yeah. Things you've done, a, a, a massive football match, the idea of which bored you shitless. Uh, yeah, and you just think... Oh, just, mundane things you've done instead. There's a fucking... Bergerax on the yeah. UK Gold, and I know it's a really good episode because it's the one where Charlie crashes his car. <laughs> and I know the North London derby's a big game, but <laughs> I might not get the opportunity to watch this episode of Bergerac again. But it is true. There wasn't as many... There was still live Premier League coverage every weekend and every Monday night, but we, we weren't as flawed yeah, it felt, it as we it, are it now. It did feel more of an event. It felt more of an event. And yeah. everyone... I felt like everyone I knew watched everything. Yeah. You know, which now is... It was it was just what was it? There was just Super Sunday, one match, wasn't it, and one on a Monday night. Yeah. And you get the occasional midweek one, whereas now very I mean, occasional. You know, there's, there's, this week when we're recording this, I think there's been a Premier League game on every. There's night, games on tonight. Yeah. Leicester I mean, versus. It's bloody Thursday. In those days, that would you wouldn't have believed it if someone had come from the future, like we have, yeah, in our totally. time machine, and said, in the year two thousand and eighteen, there will be televised football matches, Premier League football matches. That's right, it will no longer be referred to as the Premiership. Um, on a Thursday night, and you'd have be, gone, get out of town. And it'll be Leicester versus Southampton, and okay. you will not give a solitary shit about yeah. it. It will be recent champions, Leicester City yeah. versus Southampton. And it'll come just a few days after Spurs versus Manchester City, which was played, get this, on a Saturday evening at quarter to eight. Oh, what the... The world's gone mad since then. These these were the good old days. And um, going back to Liverpool, Robbie Fowler was amazing. And this was the birth of the Spice Boys, which was just another fantastic sort of um, feature of the of mid-90s footballing landscape. And it seemed to fit in, in my mind, with the whole pre- prevailing culture of the times. Whether that, whether that was... 
Yeah, there was laddism, wasn't there? There was the launch of Loaded Magazine. There was Britpop and Oasis. There was, like we said, there was a sort of an exuberance and madness about Newcastle United. And then Liverpool, who, in, who until just a couple of years ago have been like, you know, just a dominant force, a kind of winning machine, had just turned into what appeared to be a big stag night. Yeah. With a Mike, non-stop stag night. With Mike Marsh at the centre of it. Yeah, of course. The, ri- the ringmaster. <laughs> <laughs> and then Roy Evans revived everything by just signing a load of kids who they're like going out and getting pissed up. Roy Evans, in a way, do he we hold dad, him responsible? He? Because he he does appear like an ineffectual dad. Yeah, if it was the sitcom, he'd, his he'd face is like oh, he he's given up. He can't be bothered. He can't control them. He can't control them. They laugh at him. Yeah, they like him, but they're like, "Come on, Roy, we're not going to do anything." He's saying, "I don't know maybe I'm unfair in saying that, but." That's what it always felt like. You felt a bit bad. He'd stand on the touchline. You think this bloke's got no chance. He, it always felt like he'd been given the job as a favour. Well, he was from the famous um, from the boot legendary room, boot room, and yeah. they'd experimented, hadn't they, with Sunes, and that hadn't quite worked out. So they said, "We better go back." Who's left in the boot room? It was him or Ronnie Moran. Yeah, Moran Do you remember big Ronnie it. Moran? Yeah, he yeah. wasn't having it. No. Why, why would you try and follow Sunes? But yeah, Roy Evans did it, and it, it, it lasted. You know, a couple of years. But we'll they get... made him joint manager in the end with Julier, yeah, didn't they? Which is always constructive a bit dismissal, iffy. really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We brought this other fella in, and uh, he's going to be your manager. You're still the manager. Yeah, but he's but, also the manager. But he is as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> but the good news is you still get paid. Actually, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> yeah, I'd take whatever as long as a paycheck yeah. at the end of the week. This, this is it. it. Uh, Nottingham Forest were back. They yeah. were relegated, of course, in the first season, 1992-93. Was, was this under off. Frank Clark? This was under Frank Clark, and they signed Stan Collymore as well. And well, Brian Roy? Brian Roy, yep, exactly. That was a good team. It was, yeah. And Steve Stone. And they had Steve Stone, and Stuart Peace was still there, of course. This was a good team, and I think they finished quite high. I think they finished third, I think. Yeah. Frank I Clark mean. seemed like a decent manager back then. I mean, they were they were a really exciting team to watch. Yeah, they were. Like you say, they had Collie Moore who provided all the goals. Where did Collie Moore come from? Where did they get him from? Do you remember? I think he came from Birmingham City. Okay. I, no, because he's a Villa man, isn't he? Would yeah, he, he wouldn't play for, for Birmingham, Birmingham would he? He played for South End. Did he go straight there that from South End? His, yeah. I'll just do a quick Google and have a look. Stan Collie Moore. Stanley Victor Collie Moore, of course, being his mm. full name. Um, and his IMDB listing is Basic Instinct 2. Yeah. Where apparently he had um, penetrative sex with Sharon Stone on the set. On screen? No, in real life. That's the rumour. I mean, I don't want to get in. uh, We've already been in enough legal hot water on past episodes with Ian Marshall. Vagina and no vagina as well. Yeah, so we've we've already got a lot of lawsuits pending. But certainly the rumour I've heard from various sources is that uh, Stan Collier managed to have vaginal sex with Sharon Stone. (laughs) But nice work who if knows? you can get it. Yeah. And like Roy Evans, he was getting paid for it, so why yeah. not? Yeah, quite. So that's not enough for us. Yeah, Forrest finished third. They yeah, did, brilliant. I thought they had done. Uh, and Newcastle kind of fell away a bit after that strong start. I think they were sixth in the end of the season. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is it. Julian Dix left Liverpool just as the Spice Boys came in and he went back to West Ham. Was that this year? Blimey. 94, 95. Yeah, he didn't last that long at Liverpool. Souness absolutely loved him. Well, weren't the Liverpool fans kind of up in arms when, when they signed him in the first place? Because that was he a just wasn't that. typically Liverpool, well, was he? Well, you know, when he was... A, he's my favourite all-time West Ham player. And a lot of people think that he's a West Ham icon because he was a hooligan, right? Mm. But that's not the... I mean, it's partly true because, obviously, it's a bonus, the fact that he was hard and quite mad. And yeah. so that made him exciting to watch. But he was actually legitimately a brilliant player yeah. who was deeply unfortunate to be born in the same era as Stuart Pearce. Uh, very much a Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> type situation. Uh, two came along at once. He was Clemens and Shilton. Absolutely sensational player. Um, and being like hard and mad was just one small part of that. I mean, he was very skillful. He was very often our top scorer from left back. So it was unsurprising to us when a, when a big club came in for him. But I suppose his reputation amongst other fans was first and foremost as a hard man. Yeah. And that's probably why Liverpool fans didn't get it. Yeah. And uh, But Souness just loved signing hard men. I mean, he signed Neil Ruddock around the same time. He did. He, you, you know, and, and still now, if you watch Souness doing punditry... He, he, his main focus in any of his analysis of any situation in the game is to do with physicality and uh, effectively violence. aggression and violence. That's the prism through which he looks at everything. And so no wonder Julian Dix was appealing to him. But Julian Dix, I mean, you know, Liverpool, things were probably run, I think it's fair to say, slightly more professionally than at West Ham. Yeah. And so Julian Dix's pre-match and half-time ritual was two cans of Coca-Cola. Was it? Yeah. Nice one. And when he turned up at Liverpool, they're like, you can't be doing that here. And he was bollocks. This is what I do. Yeah. So in the end, they said, go back to West Ham, where we're more than happy for that kind of baby. I mean, Harry Redknapp was our manager then. Like, you know, the lad wants a can of Coca-Cola. Let him have a can of Coca-Cola. It works, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's have some more music.
Some female voices there from 1994-95. That was Elastica with Connection. And then Cheryl Crow with her breakout hit. All I want to do is have some fun. Yeah, well, don't we all, Cheryl? And that, of course, was the the motto of 1994-95, wasn't it? It was. It was a fun time. And she was uh, the cheerleader for all of that fun. But it it was not a fun time if you were a Premier League manager in November 1994. Right. Because, do you remember in the first episode of this, 92, 93, there was one managerial sacking in the entire season? Yes, that was Poor at Chelsea. Yeah. Given the boot at Chelsea. This is November 94, 95. Now, pay attention because there's a lot going on mm. here. Ozzy Ardiles, sacked from Spurs. Mike Walker, sacked from Everton. Reverse the mechanism. Yeah, quite. Ron Atkinson, sacked from Aston Villa. Oh, blimey. Brian Little, resigns from Leicester to go to Aston Villa. Hmm. Jerry Francis resigns from QPR after Rodney Marsh is brought in as <laughs> director of football. That. I'd forgotten about that. Would Roy Evans have sacked, have resigned in similar circumstances? No, he was happy to carry on taking he his paycheck. Dug his heels in, wouldn't Jerry he? Francis, of course, the sexy badger, <laughs> uh, went and took over from our dealers he at Spurs. Did. He did almost complete in our little circle there. Hmm. And then Rhea Wilkins... He came in and took over at Queen's Park Rangers. Because he was Obviously, already playing there, I suppose. Um, I think he must have turned he was playing he, he must have turned player manager. No, he'd been to Crystal Palace. Oh he'd no, left he came back. on going to Palace okay. and came back. I think Palace released him as a player and he came back just in a managerial capacity. And Joe Royal uh, came into Everton. Well, that was a case of engage the mechanism because engage that's mechanism. classic mechanism. Everton yeah, mechanism. Everton mechanism yeah. in it, in its pomp. Yeah. yeah. So that was just November. Um, and I think a lot of this was to do with the fact that there was four teams going to be relegated. So there was a lot of panic. The the season, there was a lot of panic and there was a relegation. I notice on your notes you've used the term manager merry-go-round. Would you say that this was the <laughs> first time that uh, phrase passed into the common lexicon? I'm not sure if it was, but it feels as though it could well have been yeah. because it very much was a merry-go-round. Because it went from, like you say, nothing yep. the t- couple of seasons before to like to all of this in one thing. chaos. Someone's gone... This is like a, someone, a sub-editor, presumably at the Sun, <laughs> is sat around late going, not another one. This is like some kind of manager, what would you call it? A, a revolving door, no. A, caras- um, a carousel? A, some sort of fairground a banana ride. slide? No, yeah. it's not a banana slide. <laughs> Bouncy no, Castle. No. Yeah, put manager Bouncy Castle. No, no, I want something more alliterative. Ro- Rolly Coaster, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good coaster. I know there's a phrase... <laughs> Somewhere, I just can't think of it. So fuck it. Just for now, as a holding thing, just write managerial merry-go-round, and we'll think of something better for the late edition. <laughs> and here we are, uh, thirty years later, and still the phrase is still being used. Would you have used the phrase merry-go-round as a kid? Because I would have just said roundabout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think go I would have done. Roundabout. You wouldn't have said merry-go-round. I think merry-go-round it's is a, just something from the Victorian it's era. A middle class posh kind of thing. Yeah, isn't it? a merry go round. That one's fucking merry. Least of all these bastards, they've all lost their it's job. It's actually very insulting to refer to it as that. Oh, some of them have been re-employed in other places, but, but they was... didn't know that Andy at the well, time. Well, uh, yeah. This, this is, is it. it. Now, Rodney Marsh, um mm. who uh, it appears was the catalyst for Jerry Francis' departure from QPR. Another thing about that as well, a manager resigning, that doesn't happen anymore. Because they all just want to get paid up. Because they're all they? on big contracts, aren't yeah. they? And it doesn't make any sense for them to just toss the fucking keys away and, and walk out, does it? It doesn't happen anymore. Um, 
no, it doesn't. And uh, fair play to him for doing so. Maybe he knew something. Now, I don't know what the timing was between Ardiles leaving Spurs and Francis leaving QPR. Mm. But he could have been had one eye on that. I don't know. It might have been pigeon-related as well because he was a pigeon fancier. Jerry, Jerry Francis. Francis. I don't know if he had a, a coop. Peculiar-looking fellow, QPR. wasn't he, Jerry Francis? He almost looked kind of like a pigeon himself. Uh, yeah, I sort of think of him as more of a badger, but a quite a hard badger. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ronnie Marsh, years ago, when I was working on a, uh, a, a men's magazine, we had a, a feature called Conflicting Advice where people would write in with their relationship problems and we would give them one... The letter would be answered by an actual professional relationship expert yeah. and a randomly selected celebrity. Right. It was a different celebrity every month. And one particular month, it was Rodney Marsh. And I'll always remember me kind of interviewing him for his responses <laughs> and one of the letters said my girlfriend's got a cat it's uh, in the flat i share a flat with my girlfriend she's got a cat and she's obsessed with this cat and it drives me mad and she makes me speak to it in a special cat voice and she does its voice and it's allowed to sleep on our bed at night which i find disgusting but i really love my girlfriend and i don't and so I play along, but really I hate this cat and it's really getting in the way of the relationship. Right. What should I do? The relationship expert said something about compromises. And Rodney Marsh said, well, the thing is, what you've got to do is quite simple. Wait till she's out at the shops one weekend. <laughs> so that's what girlfriends do, right? They go out they down, go the, down shop. the shops. If they yeah. go out, they're going out down the shops. Yeah, of course they are. When she's down the shops, get the cat. No, we go, no this is how he phrased it. He went, be nice to the cat. Do the voice. Let it sleep on a bed. Give it a stroke when it wants one. Then, this, one this weekend... This doesn't sound like something that he's just thought of off yeah. the top of his no, head. No, that was what was amazing. <laughs> that was what was amazing, because I'm talking to him, and there was no hesitation in him outlining this strategy. He went, stroke it. Let it sleep on a bed. Talk to it. Do the voice. Then one weekend, when she's, <laughs> out, down, when she's out down the shops, take it down the river and drown it. And then, he, and then I left a pause... Because I didn't know what to say. I couldn't work out whether he was joking or not. And he went, I wouldn't describe myself as a cat killer, but I have killed cats. And that remains one of the best quotes I've ever elicited from an interviewee. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was a cat killer, but I have killed cats. And I said, really? He went, yeah. When I was growing up in the East End, you had to. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, you had to. And I said, why? And he went, because in them days... Stray cats would come into your house, yeah. and before you knew it, they'd lay a litter of kittens, and you'd be overrun. Yeah. So you had to kill them. You had to drown them. Right. And, well, as you can imagine, I was astonished. I wasn't even sure if the editor would allow this interview did, to did be you published. Run the interview? This incendiary, how do you say the word? Incendiary interview. We ran it. Right. Publish and be damned was our attitude. Nothing, we didn't, I don't know whether he had any blowback from the RSPCA or what. But, um, so there wasn't any legal action afterwards? There wasn't. Uh, there was there could be it. now. I was about to say, I think we might be heading towards another Well, listen, legal all I, I feel confident in this because this is a matter of record. I have the interview. It was in print. I'll be able to dig it out from somewhere. Rodney Marsh said, I am not a cat killer, but I have killed cats. Um, he made that admission. And whether or not that was a factor in Jerry Francis' decision to step down as manager of QPR... Uh, when when Rodney Marsh joined as director of football, I don't know, but it would seem possible. Yeah, I would say so. It's, along with the pigeon thing as well. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of a pigeon loft, and I'm thinking of 
a cat escaping from Rodney Marsh's clutches, <laughs> running into Jerry Francis's pigeon loft and eating and them. Just carnage. Yeah, a yeah. massacre. Well, I'm pleased, QPR fans, if you're listening, that we finally cleared that up for you. You know, 25 years or so after it happened. Another strange thing about QPR. This is a bit of a tangent, just quickly. Um, as you know, I've just got back from a trip to California, and when I was in a town called Monterey, I went to their world-famous aquarium, probably the best aquarium you can go to, right? It's right. amazing. And w- one of the uh, features was a bar, a diner-style bar, in which uh, actors um, explained what fish what, what fish you should and shouldn't order when you're in a restaurant but they did it in a theatrical american amusing way you know where they're going you know you should never order shark because that's not sustainable you can eat this sort of fish but only if it says on the menu that they've derived it from this kind of fishing you know yeah whatever whatever it was an entertaining guide to ethical fishing or something right anyway it was all done up to look like a bar and they had all the features in place and on in the corner of this make-believe aquarium bar was a TV screen because in all American bars and restaurants, even quite upmarket ones, I noticed on my trip, they always have a TV on. Always, right. there's always a TV on with the sound down wherever you are. Yeah. And on this, t- and so I'm listening to this talk. It's quite boring, but the kids seem to be interested in it. And I'm looking around, thinking, oh, they've done this place out quite nice. It looks quite realistic. And I said, oh, there's a TV in the corner. So I look at the TV and think, oh, they've actually got some sporting event playing on it. So I look closer. We're in Monterey, California. And this is set up as an American fish restaurant, which already is strange. And on the TV, they're playing QPR versus Wolverhampton Wanderers (laughs) from this season on a loop. On a loop? Yeah. Don't you think that's weird? It is, yeah. (laughs) It wasn't live. It wasn't. I've got another brother who's a QPR. No, yeah, it wasn't live. It was a tape of a game. So they'd made a conscious decision. They've art-directed this sort of, what would you call it, exhibit, painstakingly, to make it seem authentic and real. Yeah. And at some point, someone's made a decision. Well, we got the TV screen up there, and it would be great to have something playing on that TV screen. Oh, we got what should we have? I have a recording of Queen's Park Rangers versus Wolverhampton Wanderers from the UK Championship. <laughs> you know what? That's perfect. Go with that. Loop it. Loop it. All 90 minutes of it. So if you go to the aquarium in Monterey, (laughs) which I can recommend, it's a fantastic exhibit. You see sharks the lot. You will get, if you're a QPR or Wolves fan, there's an added bonus in it for you because you can watch that game. I don't know what the result is because I I didn't stay to watch it to the end. That was my next question. Were you not tempted to stick around and watch it? Yeah, from right to... I mean, to be honest, I got a bit bored of the... I mean, it is a good aquarium, but I don't know how many aquariums you've been to. It can get a bit boring just looking at fish swimming around. And so I was quite tempted, but the kids and the missus wouldn't have it. That's just reminding me when I was in in Florida in in Disney, Disney Hollywood Studios, whatever it was called, a few years ago. And there's this there's this little bus ride thing that you go on, and it's the special effects thing. Oh yeah, and you go through all the, the all this shit, and the, the 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 screen at the front of the bus it's narrated and presented by Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Quite weird. And yeah. Jeremy Irons at that time, a few weeks before I was there, he'd he'd come out um, quite vocally in the press about gay marriage. 
and how he was against it because he he thought it could lead potentially to fathers marrying their sons. Oh yeah, for inheritance <laughs> tax yeah, reasons yeah, or something yeah. like that. And I just couldn't fucking focus. I couldn't concentrate <laughs> on this this special effects. Encounter. You thought he was going to say, and this amazing yeah. uh, piece of technology is used with state of the art computers. Anyway, while I've got your attention, yeah. let me just say a few words on the sin of gay marriage. Yeah. <laughs> fathers, fathers and sons. <laughs> it's a dance as old as time is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go. It put me right off. Anyway, let's have some music from 94, 95. sure make me feel like loving you you sure do great song and lightning seeds change lightning seeds change there as well of course lightning seeds were the unofficial uh, soundtrack of football 94 95 because uh it was the life of riley that was the the soundtrack of the match of the day goals of the month still think of that if you ever hear that song you it's, think you of think goals you think of, of Matt Letizia, you think goals really. you think goals at all another goal for matt Letitia yeah. at southampton yeah, you think of that, and that was a season when Letizia could potentially have had all five of the top five goals of the season. Matt Letizia so in good. those days, I remember, and I remember another game. Remember where I was watching it, and it was like the last minute. I can't remember who they were playing, and we were all drunk. And I said, we were all going. This is where Matt Letizia decides to score <laughs> because we we're all saying Matt Letizia in that era sometimes would. It was like he decided if he wanted to score a goal. Yeah. He could score a goal. Yeah. There was no, no there was nothing you could do about it. You just think I'll score, and we were all joking, going, "Yeah, he'll just think it's ninetieth minute. I might as well score now." And then yeah. he stepped up and did just that, and, he and would do we all it. found it hilariously let's, funny. Let's just imagine it was against Newcastle. <laughs> this, this is it. it. Let's have a look at Arsenal in ninety four, ninety five, because it all went massively tits up at Highbury in January. George Graham um, decided to respond to the fact that they were thirteenth in the table by signing John Hartson and Chris Kiwomia. Hmm, peculiar. Hmm, and it didn't exactly work out for him because he was sacked a couple of months later because of illicit payments. He was sacked because of the, the, something to do with bungs, I think. But yep. he, but presumably, if that's where they were languishing in the table, he, his job would have been on the line either way. Yep, and they finished 10th in that first season in the Premier League and they finished 12th at the end of this one. Mm. So that, that whole thing about George Graham and his, his, his fucking defence that was iron yeah. and all this kind of thing, Bollocks, really, isn't it? Well, they won the league twice, didn't they? With they won him? it in 91, Nin- and then the Wales 91. came massively off after that. But there's a great quote that I found from George Graham uh, after he was sacked for the Bungs thing. Oh, I'd like to replicate it in in my 
you George, know, George Graham, Graham voice. Yeah. No, he sounded is a bit it, like my, my, Is uh, it distinct from the Alex Ferguson voice? Not particularly. Okay, fair what enough. I deeply regret that this kangaroo court judgment should have been reached in such a hole-in-the-corner way. What is the future for football if standards of justice inside the game can be ignored in this way? It's a bit George Galloway, isn't it? It's, it's a little bit Eric Hall in terms of the sentiment Monster, as well. monster! I am monster disgusted by this decision. What? What is a hole in the corner way? I've never this, heard that phrase. I deeply regret this kangaroo court judgment should have been reached in such a hole in the corner way. So there we are. That's this George is, Grimm, you know, regular listeners will remember the phrase employed by Alex Ferguson about Ryan Giggs, like a cocker spaniel. It. Chasing silver paper in the wind. Chasing a piece of silver paper in the wind. This is another example of a Scottish manager chucking out a phrase that no one has ever heard of, that they've clearly just conjured in their own mind, but doing it as if it's just a common everyday usage, like a a popular part of the lexicon. And also two men who nobody would dare to question. Yeah, exactly. So you just nod along and go, I know exactly what you mean, mate. Yeah, hole in the the floor. None of these Ponce London journalists who go, hang on, what's the actual etymology of that? Where's that that phrase come from? A squash! You wouldn't understand it. Piss off, you punts! Yeah, sorry, you're right. I am. I am a punts. The other best... The other best... um, Sacking of that season for my money was Phil Neal, but he didn't actually get sacked. It was another one who resigned. Phil Neal resigned from Coventry City. Don't know why, because no one resigns anymore. And there's footage of him in the car park at Highfield Road after he'd gone getting into his car, but before he gets into his car, he hands out copies of his resignation statement <laughs> to journalists. Oh, he would he would be interviewed. He won't give them any quotes, but he's got this pile of papers that he's printed out probably his last act as Coventry manager using the stationery and using the facilities there was to print out his resignation statement and hand them out to journalists simpler simpler times simpler times can you imagine now the kind of ring of media advisors PRs and spin doctors that even an average manager would have around them Absolutely. And these were the days when Phil Neal, former England captain Phil Neal, yeah. handing out printed copies of his own resignation yep. letter in a car park. Yep, a man, um, you know, who pride had forgotten about. <laughs> Deal of the season, Andy caught the Manchester United. That happened kind of mid-season, it did, didn't it? It was January, yeah, and of course Kevin Keegan took to the steps of St James's Park to try and explain it to the, to the apoplectic Newcastle fans. Yeah. Um, but he replaced him with Paul Kitson, so that was all right, wasn't it? He, um, he, uh, good player, but of course, um, well, we'll get onto this on a future podcast, but of course, eventually, just a few months later, they got his real replacement, who was Les Ferdinand. He did, and everything Is, was Isn't right it again. true that the day that Andy Cole was sold, because it was one of those in the days when there wasn't as much speculation, so transfers just, just out happened out of the yeah, blue. Yeah, that one and definitely did. Really yeah. exciting. I mean, you never get that anymore. There is never a transfer that just happens. It's without at least two months' worth yeah. of really tedious, ongoing speculation. But in those days, it just happened. That I remember waking up and hearing that news and seeing the footage of Kevin Keegan on the steps, and it was all quite exciting. But isn't it true that, uh, a legend has it, that a Newcastle United fan had just the day before had uh, Andy Cole's face tattooed onto his yes, shin? Yes, he did. That's good, isn't it? It was, it was all the way down the front of his shin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you don't, you don't get rid of that in a hurry. Which I suppose kind of symbolises the sense of um, deluded hysteria that had engulfed the city that you described earlier. Yeah, definitely. That's I mean, you know, it, who does that? He does that. This guy's 
playing so well, I'll have a I'll have a ma- I'll have his face tattooed on my shin because football is transient. It's it's the only way really <laughs> that I can mark my appreciation of his efforts. Football is transient. Tattoos are not transient. Yeah. They don't go together. Get, get don't the badge, it, mate. Get, get the badge. Yeah. Even the badge doesn't stay the badge no, anymore quite. for too long. Um, 1994-95, of course, was the Eric Cantona kick on Matthew Simmons. Yes. Good or bad, do you reckon? Great. Yeah, fantastic. I absolutely love to see Never a. I, I love to see players attack fans because I yeah. think it's so funny. Yeah. And that is obviously the classic of the genre. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that Palace was obviously a horrible idiot and it was just great. Everything about it was fantastic. Do you remember what he said? That it, the, the Palace fan said that he shouted at Cantona. What? It was something like, something like, boo, it's an early bath for you, Mr. <laughs> Cantona. <laughs> of course yeah, you did, mate. Because he worked as a, uh, script, as, as, as a dialogue <laughs> writer for Roy the Rovers. Yeah, exactly. So that was good. He was also wearing a tie that night, Matthew Simmons. Right. So um, perhaps that contributed towards Cantona's ire. You think that antagonised him? tie at the match. Yeah. You know, when you're not in hospitality. You do, you do see that midweek games though, don't you? Gone straight from work, do you People think? go straight from work sometimes. Take the fucking tie off though, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not at work now. It was a mid- Jesus. It was a, it was a midweek game in his defence. But anyway, you know, he got, he got a kick in. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. Um, What else have I got here on my list of many things of 94, 95? I've seen some footage of a fun day at Selhurst Park where Wimbledon were, were in residence. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was an elephant on the pitch. No way. Yeah. And I don't know why or how. I assume it's got something to do with Sam Hammam. How would they have got him through the turnstile? Fuck knows. Don't know. It might have just parachuted it in. Again, if you're listening and you want to get in touch on Twitter, then... Could you do that? Could you get a helicopter with an elephant attached underneath it? No Lure way. it into a... No. Well... Two helicopters? Hang on. Um, how many helicopters would it be? What's the really big of? helicopters? Chinook. No, Chinook's more of a like a combat. What I've, what I've done there is I've just said the name of the only yeah, helicopter. Let's that be I know. honest, it's the only helicopter model we know. Yeah, I How mean, how many Chinooks would you need to lure an elephant into Sellers Park? If you know the answer to that, get in we're touch. On, we're on Twitter at TF Time Machine. And so have you ever know. seen an animal more exotic than an elephant inside a football ground? Yeah, exactly. I bet in South America that you get snakes in them. Yeah, of course you do. Mm. The pictures are riddled with snakes in South America. <laughs> so that was the end of the season for Wimbledon, the fun day with an elephant. Um, bit more business. Alan Smith at Crystal Palace and Trevor Francis Sheffield Wednesday both resigned. This resignation thing needs to stop. Brian Horton, Manchester City, a good old-fashioned sacking. Um, and Jurgen Klinsmann. We welcomed him to the Premier League at the beginning. And every episode we say goodbye to someone and we're going to say goodbye to Jürgen Klinsmann because he fucked off. He left for Bayern Munich, the bastard. He left for Bayern Munich. And do you know where he announced the, his resignation, not resignation, but the fact that he was going to depart? In his Volkswagen Beetle. He pulled up in his Volkswagen Beetle then went into a comedy club and announced it on the stage at a comedy club. Very much the Jürgen Klopp of his time, a German working overtime to disprove German stereotypes, wasn't yeah, he? trying too hard. Trying really hard to be wacky at all times. I'm a bit offbeat. Like Jurgen Klopp turning up to his press conference in a Beatles wig. Yeah, I should add the Klinsman didn't actually get on stage at the comedy club and do a solid a ten minutes. You wouldn't have put it past him. It. it was a press conference kind of scenario, but mm. yeah. Um, and basically, um, Blackburn won the league. Yeah, uh, thanks to West Ham. Yeah. Who, on the last day of the season, held Manchester United... To a draw. And Blackburn lost 2 1 at Liverpool. Now, I think the, the league should have been rendered null and void because neither side could fucking win on yeah. the last day of the season. 
So it should have just been declared a right. Manchester United players were really resentful about West Ham because I think we would we had nothing to play for and. Uh, Oh, so you should just let Manchester United win then. Yeah, and West Ham basically played much better than they'd bothered to do for most of the uh, part of the season. But we we had a fantastic goalkeeper at the time, Ludic McClosko, who, who played one of the best games I've ever seen a goalkeeper play. Yeah, and uh, so it was frustrating for United. We'll, we'll come back to that in the next episode of Alex Ferguson being irate at yeah. uh, fan, uh, clubs not trying all that hard or trying too hard against Manchester United when there's nothing at stake. But that's for the next podcast. Uh, so, yeah, Klinsman, bye-bye. Klinsman, Blackburn won the league. Uh, Manchester United second. Crystal Palace, Norwich, Leicester City and Ipswich were all relegated. And that, Sam, is 1994-1995. We'll just end quickly with our sponsorship quiz that we normally have. And I'm going to give you five companies. And you've got to tell me which shirts they were emblazoned oh, yeah. in 94-95. Okay, Here we go. Muller. Villa. Whoa, good start. Coors. Chelsea. Yes. Brother. City. Whoa. Sanderson. We've had this before. You've had this in every freaking episode, Sam. Oh, I know. In that case, it's one of the Sheffield clubs. Oh, which one, though? Is it the knives or the forks? <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday. Correct. Oh, that's four out of four. And the final one, Peugeot. Cov. Coventry. Five out of five, Go Sam. Go on. And that is 1994-95. Thank you and goodbye. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.